Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. Let's go, let's go. Welcome back to this series of episodes that I'm doing on the book of James. I'm calling it James on Justice, an appeal for classless Christianity. And this is part two. It's really kind of part two of the introduction before I get into some commentary through the epistle, which will take another 10 or 11 episodes, I I suspect. But last time, and and I I do recommend that you go back if you haven't listened to the first episode, um... Uh, because it it, it kind of sets the stage. But I'm talking about classism and Christianity and how they clash and how the God, the uh, epistle of James, I think, addresses this issue of classism and a classless Christianity more than any other place I can think of in the, in the scripture. And it's only been recently that I've come to this conclusion that the this epistle has this as a Uh, not just a recurring theme, but a thread throughout the entire epistle itself. But um, I'd like to talk a little bit about James the man, uh, the the writer of the the epistle. As I said in in episode one, uh, they called him in history, church history, James the just. He was the leader of the Jerusalem church, uh, known as a man of prayer. One historian said that he he had knees like a camel because he of his, you know, he's always on his knees praying. But most importantly about James, uh, he was the half brother of Jesus. In Galatians one nineteen, he it's you know uh, Paul says that he didn't speak to any other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother, and we know half brother because uh, because Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. But he uh, he was a leader in the Jerusalem church, but yet the half-brother of Jesus. And if you want to look up some passages about uh, him, this uh, man, James, in the book of Acts, look at chapter 12, verse 17, uh, chapter 15, verse 13 and following, uh, chapter 21, verses 18 and following, uh, where it speaks about James and all the elders. Well, him being the half brother of Jesus, growing up with Jesus uh, as his, you know, in the same home, it's no mystery that his letter would contain a lot of reminders, if not particular references, to the teaching of Jesus, more so than all the rest of the New Testament writers uh, put together. I mean, he didn't give exact quotes from Jesus or say that he, even say that he was referring to a particular time when Jesus said this thing or that thing you know at the dinner table he said this and I remember on the mountain one day he said that he doesn't do that uh, but at the in fact at the beginning of the epistle all he says about himself is he, he calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ he doesn't even you know if I would have name dropped if I were him you know just for leverage and say you know, uh, say, hey, I'm the brother of Jesus. I grew up, you know, I would have pulled that card for sure. I'm his brother card. <clears throat> but that says something about the character of this man, I think, uh, this humble man, this leader uh, of the Jerusalem church. And and we know from the uh, narrative that he, uh, he didn't become a full-on follower of his half-brother Jesus until after the resurrection. Um. In John 7, it says that his brothers, uh, Jesus' brothers, didn't even believe in him. 
Uh, and then in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that, it, that Jesus appeared in his resurrected form uh, to Peter, then to the 12, and after that he appeared to 500 brothers and etc., and then he appeared to James, and so on. So it, it, that's a, probably when James decided to, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah and that he was worthy of being followed. I suppose it makes sense, right, that Jesus that James didn't believe in Jesus as Messiah until later. I mean, after all, it would have been hard for any of us to be convinced that our our big brother is the creator of the world. Um, on the other hand, if he rose from the dead, it might give us, you know, pause for thought, right? But, um, and then, as I said in the uh, last episode, that he was martyred. Uh, James was martyred after leading the Jerusalem church and uh, whether he was thrown off the temple or beaten brutally, beaten to, to death with clubs, this was a this was a man devoted to uh, the Son of God. And though he wasn't a believer when Jesus was alive, James, it's obvious to me that he absorbed Jesus' teaching more than than you would have thought. Even you know, even though he wasn't a follower, even though he wasn't a believer, if anyone knew what Jesus taught it would have been James and his siblings. And he has more implied references, as I said, to the teaching of Jesus than all the other apostles combined. But he learned from Jesus what I believe is the theme of his epistle. He learned from Jesus that Christianity and classism clash, bigotry and uh, a caste system in the church and uh, in in society in general, they clash. And you see so much of the content of the Sermon on the Mount that it, 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 it makes you think that James might even have been there, you know. If not, he just heard him at the dinner table talking these same, these same truths. And I don't know, maybe he snuck in among the crowd to listen or, or maybe the principles of it just so exuded from the personality and the activity of Jesus that he picked it up by example. I'd be more inclined to think that was the truth. But he grew up hearing and seeing the way that Jesus treated people, especially given the prominence in this letter, the poor and the powerless. So I tell you what, let me just read a few examples of just from the Sermon on the Mount itself and the uh, passages in James that seem very, very much a parallel to that. So in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, but I tell you, don't swear at all uh, uh, by an oath, either by heaven, uh, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, etc. He says, all you need to say, Jesus said, is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Here's James 5.12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Very clear parallel there. Almost a quote. Uh, In chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. James 5.2. James says, for wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Matthew 7, 1 in in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't judge or you too will be judged. James 4, 12 says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, 
the one is able to save and to destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Um, in, uh, in Luke's account of a Sermon on the Mount, maybe a Sermon on the Plain, maybe a different sermon, but anyway, it's a similar teaching in Luke 6.20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. James 2.5 says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Matthew 7.26, Jesus said, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on a stand, on the sand. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Sermon on the Mount again, Matthew 7, 16. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? James says in chapter 3, verse 12, My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So, I mean, it's obvious, James grew up alongside Jesus. And uh, just because his ministry didn't uh, begin until he was 30 years old, that is Jesus' ministry, doesn't mean that he didn't show an intense compassion to people throughout his, what I would call maybe his pre-ministry years. That is, he did it in his household. I mean, can't you just see Jesus bringing people home for dinner all the time? I mean, not so much his buddies from, you know, soccer camp, but widows and orphans that he encountered at the market getting vegetables for dinner. I mean, you know, when he, when he grew up, he taught that we shouldn't invite the rich who can pay us back, you know, for, you know to dinner. We shouldn't invite the rich, but, you know, we should invite the poor, people that can't pay us back. And I, I know that we usually think of Jesus as, just, you know, as a kid, healing sparrows and multiplying breakfast, you know, for the family. But I, I muse about him reaching out to the most vulnerable, even as a kid, even as a young man. I mean, he had a home and a loving family, but what about those who didn't? I could just see him bringing them home for dinner. And, and, and I could also see James and maybe the other siblings, you know, annoyed by Jesus' compassion. I mean, can you just can you just see James going seriously, Jesus? Who's this now? I mean, couldn't we just have family dinner once in a while, just the family? Um, or, or you know, okay, bring people home, but couldn't we just once in a while have people from the neighborhood, you know, from our own socioeconomic class? Why do you always have to bring these people from the street who smell bad and have so many needs? And plus, they, they, they eat so much of our dinner. Um, you know, and I could just see Jesus responding to stuff like that, compassionately and patiently. You know, brothers, <laughs> we just have so much, and, and they didn't have anything. I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's a matter uh, of not having enough, I mean, they can have my plate. I'm happy to fast. Plus, it, it, it seems to me that we're all that we're all family. Everybody's family. Everybody on the street and everybody in the community. We're all family. Besides, what about those who don't have a family? Can't we be family to them? 
I mean, I, I don't know how you'd win an argument with a brother like that, right? And uh, I mean, think about when Jesus, I mean, he actually said this, who is my brother and my sister and my mother? Uh, it, you know, and he, and he answers his own question, whoever does the will of my father uh, and who does God's will and puts it into practice. I mean, you know, the brothers, they didn't hear what Mary heard when Jesus was going to be born. She heard, you know, what his destiny was from the angel. She knew that he was born to a larger family, to the world. In fact, uh, the, the angels actually said, uh, here is the Son of God born to you. Not just born, but born to you, to the shepherds. He's the Son of Man, not just the Son of Mary. And so she saw that he was born to the the, the human family, not just their family. And uh, I'm, so I'm going to guess that his se- semi-siblings, if we want to call them that, we're used to him bringing people home, sick people, poor people, lonely people. And it was later that he taught that we shouldn't just have friends for dinner, but the poor who can't return the favor. <laughs> and so James and his siblings, I think they watched the way that he was with the marginalized and, and how he kept bringing them home and treating them in the most intimate ways and healing them. And, and But on some level, it was probably irritating and yet intriguing, right? Doesn't Jesus kind of irritate you and yet intrigue you? And you can even imagine, you know, some of the conversations with Mary about their brother, you know, so the brother's talking to their, uh, to Mary, their mother, about Jesus. You know, what's the deal with Jesus, mom? I mean, he's always out with the indigents and unemployed. Can't, can't you do something about him? <laughs> We're tired of him coming home with, with strangers, you know. They smell and they're 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 not stable. They're not mentally stable. They 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 make us feel uncomfortable. They're not like us. You know why can't he make friends with kids more like us? You know, um, and and he seems like they, they, he treats them as much family to him as we are. And and Mary would say, well, just be patient. You know, he's different. I'll grant you that. But you know, we could all stand to learn from his example. I know his ways are strange, but and it's inconvenient to have such a brother, but, you know, give him some time and see if down the road it doesn't make some sense. Well, it did make sense to James later, after he got converted. You know, the mindset that he might have, mindset that he might have objected to when he was a, uh, a, a child, uh, and, you know, became a no-brainer for, you know, Christians later. And so that's why he says, if your religion is real, you're going to care for the most needy and the destitute. Okay, well, with that as a bit of an introduction to the epistle, to the man, James, and to the uh, epistle, from my vantage point, uh, uh, an epistle about classism versus Christianity, um, Starting in the next episode, I'm going to begin to give a bit of a running commentary on the rest of the epistle in light of these thoughts and see what you think. And I'd be happy to uh, field some questions or some rebuttals or some comments uh, along the way if you'd like to email me or Facebook me uh, or whatever form you'd like to uh, interact with me. I'd be happy to hear from you. Let's go, let's go.